With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast. Welcome in, Titan fans. It is Victory Monday. We are recording Monday night to release it to you on Tuesday. We're going to be recapping the Oakland Raiders game, going over the offense, going over the defense. I'm going to be waving my little eggplant emoji everywhere, talking about how I got the Ryan Tannehill stats correct. And that's pretty much it. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Nobody wants to play the Titans. They've won six out of seven since Ryan Tannehill took over a quarterback. He is slinging it. But it is deeper than that. Nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry. The Titans have scored 30 in four straight games. They've scored 43 times this year. You may have forgotten the Titans, but remember this when they win the AFC South. With each passing win, the media gets more and more on board the Titans hype train. That was Andrew Siciliano. James, are you on the hype train? Brett, I was on the hype train last week. You were on the hype train two weeks ago. Get out of here. Okay, maybe. I don't know. You were on the hype train three weeks ago. Get out of here. It's been a while. All right, look, I've been hesitant. It, it took me a little bit because I was scared they were going to kick me again just when I was starting to get back in. But I'm back in. I've been in. I feel like it's impossible not to be back in at this point. The Titans, of course, win their fourth game in a row, sixth of their last seven, beating the Oakland Raiders 42-21 to in Oakland, a win on the West Coast. The Raiders were 4-1 and at home coming into this game, fighting for their playoff lives, full desperation mode they didn't have with their best offensive player josh jacobs and they were missing trent brown offensive tackle as well and that they uh they weren't really hurt by that in the first half as they put up 21 points on the titans defense but the titans responded it was their third game of the year scoring over 40 points 21 21 at halftime and we said it on this podcast last week i said that the raiders are going to be doing things a bit differently this game because they've been struggling so much the last few weeks and it would be a halftime adjustments type of game And in the first half, the Titans defense allowed 21 points. In the second half, they shut out the Raiders. They scored a touchdown of their own on a Ty Smith forced fumble that was picked up by Jayon Brown. And overall, the defense really tightened up in the second half. And that's how this game was able, that's how the Titans were able to pull away. The offense was historically efficient and uh, they put up, they averaged 9.4 yards per play, most in the history of the franchise. 
They put up over 550 yards, sixth most in franchise history, most in the Titans era history. Shout out to Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles for finding those stats and posting them on Twitter. He also wrote a great article on musiccitymiracles.com, which I encourage you to check out. This is the 17th most efficient offensive performance since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970. Um, And that is remarkable. The Titans offense has now put up two of the top 30 best offensive performances in NFL history over the last three games. So we're really impressed right now with the way the offense is playing. Pretty impressive the way the defense was able to adjust and tighten up in the second half. Despite missing so many players in the secondary, Kenny Vaccaro left this game right before halftime with a concussion. We'll check his status later in the week. And uh, I don't know, James, what did you think about the change in the defense from first half to second half? I mean, obviously it was successful, whatever they decided to do. Just at first, it just felt like we couldn't stop whatever the Raiders were doing. It just, I was like, really? This is going to be like a Saints 49ers shootout? With the Raiders, of all people. Was, and then I started looking forward to the Texans and the Saints. I was like, they're going to destroy us if we continue playing defense like this. But granted, you know, you have injuries in the secondary. Uh, hopefully we get Ken- Kenny Vaccaro back this week. Um, Ty Smith has been doing really well. And I really didn't see much of, what, what's his name, Tremaine Brock, which I guess is a good sign. Yeah, there was one major miscommunication on defense in the first half that allowed a wide-open touchdown to Rico Gafford, who was a former defensive back for the Titans, who went to the Raiders and switched to wide receiver. His first NFL catch of his whole career was a 48-yard touchdown against the Titans. I feel like the Titans have a knack for random guys scoring their first 48-yard touchdowns against them, but whatever. Only if they played for us. (laughs) Especially when they played for us, like Zach Pascal and all these other guys um jack jack Doyle. Jack Doyle, yeah how many right so uh but outside of that one play that was really busted coverage they allowed a three-play drive for a touchdown early on the titans for the second week in a row the offense turns the ball over on their opening possession and sets up the opposing team with the ball inside like the 30 yard line in scoring position it happened again in this week this game after Tannehill threw an early interception on a deflected pass at the line of scrimmage on a screen play that was Honestly, a lot of people have said it was a bad decision. It looked fairly unavoidable to me. I mean, yeah, maybe he could have tried to change his arm angle or, or just throw it into the ground there. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. It's the second week in a row. The Titans give up an early touchdown, spot the other team seven points. But after spotting those seven points to their team, the Titans are outscoring their opponents 73-24. to 24. So if they can just eliminate that early mistake, that's what's so interesting about this four-game win streak, by the way is they're not like having amazing games, everything going right. Like, yes, the defense has scored or special teams has scored a touchdown in three of their in three of their last four games. That's pretty remarkable. But besides that, the things aren't just necessarily going their way and fluking fluking into a four game win streak. Like they've had to overcome seven oh starts the last two weeks in a row. And they put both of those opponents away by the end of the game with huge third quarters and and then putting the team just completely away with late touchdowns, whether they be offensive or defensive, big plays all around. And that's really, that's encouraging to me from the standpoint of, is this actually a good team? Is this sustainable? Or is just this just a fluky run like we see teams go on occasionally? But I don't think at this point, six in the last seven doesn't seem like a fluky run. And people are actually starting to talk about the Titans as one of the best teams in the NFL, which is crazy. We are, though. <laughs> just to touch on how good they've really been, Let's talk about A.J. Brown, 
who's a stud, who should definitely be in the conversation for rookie of the year, especially if Josh Jacobs is unable to play much of the, for the last few games here, or if the Raiders decide to just shut him down because their season's pretty much over. Um, AJ Brown, if he continues to play like he's playing, could emerge as the rookie of the year candidate. Against the Raiders in this game, he had five catches for 153 yards and two touchdowns, including a 91-yard touchdown. And then another t- his second touchdown, he caught five yards downfield on third and 12 or third and 13 and barreled his way all the way into the end zone for a touchdown. It was like seven yards after catch and almost all of them after contact. Brown, through 13 games, now leads the Titans in receptions with 39, receiving yards with 779, and receiving touchdowns with six. So as a rookie, he's leading the team in receiving in all categories, and he didn't even participate in most of minicamp because he had a hamstring injury, and he's playing with his quote-unquote backup quarterback. So one of his quarterbacks was not very good this year in terms of his stats. He's on track to have a 1,000-yard season, and if you look at every player in the NFL who has 100, who has, if you look at every player in the NFL with at least 50 targets, according to ESPN stats and info, there's 102 players with at least 50 targets. Brown is averaging 12.8 yards per target, highest of any player in the NFL. That's insane. This guy should be rookie of the year. AJ Brown is a stud, a steal at pick 51. And James, is it time for me to buy a jersey or what? It's time for you to buy a jersey. What a pick by John Robinson. Oh, what just a fantastic Harold Landry in what the year before, mm-hmm. and then you had AJ Brown right after that, back to back, making up for the Kevin Dodd. Kevin Dodd, yeah, Kevin Dodd, just amazing. Do you think he's gonna hit a thousand yards? I think he's gonna hit a thousand yards. I think he's gonna need to if the Titans are gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna need the offense to keep going at the rate it's going. And speaking of the rate it's going, Derrick Henry continues to be the engine of this offense. The Titans rode him early in this game, and uh, he was the, the engine behind the first touchdown not on that drive, a little flip play out to him in the in the left side, and Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold had great blocks downfield to open the way. Henry ran through one tackler and then kind of just stiff-armed his way into the end zone at the goal line. Henry's been probably the best running back in the NFL, certainly over the last four games, maybe over the last five or six. And if you look at what he did in this one, 18 carries for 103 yards, that's 5.7 yards per carry, but... Honestly, I can't. I'm kind of surprised he only ended up with 18 carries because he had like 10 in the first quarter or early in the game. He had 10 carries really early on. They were talking about it, and um, really the threat of Henry running even when he doesn't have the ball. And I know that that passing success off play action has been shown to have no correlation to rushing success or rushing frequency. But I do think that the threat of Henry is opening things up for the Titans in ways that the play action maybe would still work or whatever. But like it's really working. On play action in this game, Tannehill had 276 yards passing, which is the second most yards off of play action in any game over the last four seasons in the NFL. Of course, the 91-yard touchdown helps, but almost all of the Titans' big passing plays came off of play action in this game, and that's how you accumulate so many yards. Almost 300 yards just on the play action plays. That's the Derrick Henry effect. And it's also Ryan Tannehill being decisive and delivering accurate balls downfield. It's also guys like Kari Blassing game coming up with big contested catches. Johnu Smith in the end zone. Anthony Ferkser downfield. Michael Pruitt catching the ball and rumbling downfield. Corey Davis over the middle catching and running. So all these guys getting involved in the passing game. And it's all working together as we talked about last week. Everything building on itself and helping each other. And that's what the way that this offense is rolling. And that's I think Derrick Henry is at the center of it. But Tannehill is executing at such a high level 
that he allows Henry to continue to be the center of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think we kind of had the chicken and the egg argument last week. Right. So I really don't want to dive into that, but it's just, uh, you know, I was pretty hard on Art Smith at the beginning of the year, and he's kind of turned it around. Maybe it was a quarterback play. Maybe it was play calls, the offensive line not gelling, whatever it may be. Everything's starting to work now, and I owe him an apology. Yeah, for real. Credit to Art Smith. He called another excellent game. I mean, 552 total yards, 9.36 yards per play. Just unbelievable stats there. Efficiency and total output. Crazy. That's how you get to 42 points, 35 by the offense. Right. All right. Should we take a quick break before we hand out our podcast awards for this game? For sure. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Titans gained 552 yards. First time in over 10 years with over 500 yards of offense. Ryan Tannehill passes for 391. No sacks allowed. What a job by this entire team. Final score, Tennessee 42, Oakland 21, as the Titans come to the West Coast and get it done again. Okay, if you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you know what our awards are, feel free to skip ahead a minute or so, and I'm going to turn it over to James to explain to maybe our new listeners what these awards are, and maybe give us a rating from a scale of 1 to 10. How highly coveted are they? Go ahead. So they're all rated 10, highly coveted. (laughs) Um, Players look forward to these each week, but I'll, I'll keep them brief. Yeah, the Zeus Award is for the player that effed things up for us. Zeus was a bad guy to the Titans. He locked him in Tartarus uh, for all of eternity after he defeated him in the Titanomachy. Um, and he was known for banging everything with a pulse. Then you have the Atlas Award. Atlas was a Titan known for carrying the world upon his shoulders. We give it to a player who shouldered the team. And then you have play the game, which is self-explanatory. All right, thanks. Without further ado, let's dive right on in with the Zeus Award. Snap, set, kick. Hits the upright on the left side. It's no good. Man, it's kind of a sad, sad day in Titan history, I think. And it's sad. Dude got to go. So obviously our award, quote-unquote, winner here is Ryan Suckup. I just hate to bag on him. He's a great guy. He's been great for the Titans for the past few years. Had some amazing moments. The kick in Kansas City, 
in 2016 really stands out. But at this point, just seems like his leg might be cooked. <laughs> I think he's still injured, but honestly, if we're going to have any chance in a playoff game, we need a kicker. And it kind of terrifies me because of what Cody Parkey did in the Chicago Bears playoff game and ruined their like really good season with a missed kick. But it's like, do we bring Cody Parkey back? I mean, that that I think that kick was tipped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we see it every year. Somebody gets bounced from the playoffs because their kicker misses a big kick in the postseason. It happened to the Vikings a few years ago. It happened to the Bears most recently. It's just something that good teams secure that position, and it hasn't hurt the Titans yet, even though Suckup is only one for five on field goals this whole season. But going forward in closer games against better teams, it could really come come down to a field goal. And if it does, do you trust Ryan Suckup right now, who hasn't shown that he's back to being the great Ryan Suckup we had when he set the NFL record for most consecutive field goals made inside 50 yards. Nope. Anyway, something has to change here. I don't know if it's what you said, bringing back Cody Parkey, which is an interesting idea. I don't know if Santoso is on the roster for any real reason. And if he is, maybe he can be the guy that kicks field goals. Um, But something has to change. And I think in the offseason, we're going to see a new kicker added, whether it be in the late rounds of the draft or some other method, I think I think the Titans are going to have to find their kicker of the future because I don't think it's Ryan Suckup anymore. As much as I hate to say it, it's a very uh, it's a very superstitious position. So right, uh, well, confidence as well, not just superstition, but it's a mental thing. Exactly. So as soon as he starts missing and that really gets in your head, that's it. It can make or break. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But as soon as it's there, it's there. Because before that, he was money. You didn't have to worry about anything. You know, hey, it comes around and suck up money. But now. Yeah. As Mike put it, it was go to the bathroom confident in suck up when it was when he was up to kick a field goal. Now it's bite your nails and hope it goes in. And he's only made yeah. one this season. So he's been great on extra points. But anyway. Now that that's out of the way, let's move on to play of the game. Play of the game. Tannehill with his team at the 19. Looking, throwing, intercepted on a deflection, hurt. A big tackle. 40, 50, 40, 30. And he is taken down at the 25-yard line on a touchdown-saving tackle by Tannehill. I think that this was a great tackle by Tannehill play the game worthy I don't know I'm gonna let you explain and defend why this play which is ultimately a negative and the Raiders ended up scoring a touchdown three plays later is play of the game I gave it play of the game because to me it shows and encapsulates what Ryan Tannehill has been this entire season for us and it has been infectious to the team He's resilient, and it doesn't matter what he does. He makes his mistakes with his fumbles. He, he throws a bad pick. He's still, like, he, I think I heard it in the postgame show on the 104.5, the zone app. They were talking about how he got, like, peel blacked, blocked, and still stayed in the play, ran all the way down the field. Granted, he didn't have to run very fast, and just squared up and hit the crap out of that defensive lineman. And Maurice Hurt. 
Maurice Hurst, and I, I think it really set the tone for the game. And right after that, came right back, scored, and got us right back in it. And it, to me, that that was play of the game because that that kind of set the tone for the game. And yeah, it was a shootout, but it just I had confidence in Ryan Tannehill because of what he's shown me, and that was really like my quarterback lays wood. You know what I mean? It was a heck of a tackle. Let's hear Ryan Tannehill talk about it himself. No, I was pretty ticked off. Uh, just how, how it went down and, and having the turnover there. We were moving the ball well. And, um, you know, to have a bad, bad interception is an enraging feeling. So, uh, yeah, it was no, no hesitation. You know, I, there was no one else left, and I wanted to, uh, to stop him and, you know, give our t- defense a chance to, uh, to hold him out. What did you hear from some of your teammates uh, after that? I got some compliments on the tackle, but uh, not the compliments I want. You know what I mean? Um, don't want to be making tackles. That was from the post-game press conference with Ryan Tannehill via Titans Online. And I agree, his bounce back from that moment was crucial to the team's success, which is ultimately why he wins play of the game. And while we're on the subject of Ryan Tannehill, let's hear our winner for the Atlas Award. Definition, put the team on my back. One's will to carry the team and not let any obstacle come in between. A desire that you must achieve. Play fake, Tannehill looking. Going deep down the middle, going for Brown. Brown's got it at the 50, breaks the tackle to the 40, to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! Their longest touchdown pass in over five years. Tannehill dropping, looking, firing deep down the middle. There's Furtzer at the 40. Furtzer is down just short of the 30. What a throw by Tannehill. Play fake, Tannehill rolling right, throwing back to the left. There's Smith open in the end zone. Touchdown! James, I got to hand it to you. You made a heck of a prediction on our last podcast. I felt it, man. I could just feel it. I felt like the Raiders were going to want to stop Derrick Henry. Granted, they didn't do that either, but <laughs> um, I just felt like this was going to be the, the game that Ryan Tannehill had four hundred, oh, close to 400 yards. I said 400 plus. He had 391, so close enough. But that set the tone for the whole week for me because I've been on fire with picks with NFL teams right now. (laughs) Yep, you called it 400 yards, three touchdowns, and one fumble. You probably should have just said one turnover because, like you said, 391 yards. He completed 77.8% of his passes for 14.5 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, passer rating of 140.4. As Gil Brandt tweeted out earlier last week, all Ryan Tannehill needed to do was have a passer rating of 130 or higher and throw two touchdown passes to become just the second quarterback in NFL history to do that for four games straight. He accomplished that feat. He raised his league-leading completion percentage over expectation, which was already the league leader, to 10% on the season with a plus 12.5% in this game, which was the second highest of the week in the NFL. And he put the team on his back. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's the reason the offense managed to keep moving with big play after big play. He continued to put pressure on the Raiders to keep up with the Titans, and eventually they couldn't keep up. The touchdown pass to Jonu Smith was such a great throw and such a great catch on the other end, too. Jonu went up, mossed his defender, pulled down that contested grab. That play put the Titans up two touchdowns. This was our runner-up for play of the game. And I think that play put the pressure on the Raiders, put them into desperation mode, which allowed the defense to tee off 
and that aggression led to the next touchdown by the defense. So that really put the game away. Just what more can you say about Ryan Tannehill? Unbelievable. I mean, extend this man? <laughs> I mean, there was reports right before the game started that they are planning on extending him. No reports on right. Derrick Henry yet, but, I mean, both of these dudes need to be locked up for the next well Tannehill I said two to three years that's kind of where I want it to be because I really want to bridge in a quarterback if not this year maybe next year I mean are you going to trade the farm for Trevor Lawrence and Mm -hmm. just have him kind of sit behind Tannehill one more year and then cut bait but um, the thing about Ryan Tannehill is that the way he's playing right now you you can't do better Tannehill is the the top-rated passer in the NFL. He's top in EPA combined with completion percentage over expectation. He is top in yards per attempt with an astronomical 9.4, I think, yards per attempt on the season. Check that. 9.8 yards per attempt on the season. He's up to 15 touchdowns now. I mean, a rookie quarterback would be great, but I'm fine to ride Ryan Tannehill as long as this type of play can continue. I think maybe next year you don't spend an early pick on a quarterback. You spend an early pick continuing to build this team around this player. 31 years old is is old for an NFL player, but it's young for a quarterback. This is the age that we've seen players like Matt Ryan finally ascend to their MVP level. Matthew Stafford finally ascend to an upper-tier quarterback in the league. I mean, 31 years old, is that's how old Ryan Tannehill is, by the way. I should probably say that. Um, that's not that old for a quarterback, and I think that... This guy, I mean, I think you could give him a five-year contract where the first three years are more or less guaranteed, and then the last two years are kind of like, if he's still playing at a high level, you you keep him, but if he's not, then you can kind of cut bait without hurting the cap too much. I think that's the type of deal that might be in play here based on the reports. I think it was Diana Rossini who had some preseason reports about Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee that sounded very not true at the time that our fan base had a lot of response to in a negative way. And I think that maybe she did have some information because what we've seen from Ryan Tannehill tracks with what she was kind of saying. So maybe this is true information. Maybe the Titans really are looking at Tannehill as their quarterback of the future. Maybe it's not anything she heard. Maybe she's just watching the games and, and just saying this like that's possible too. But I think that uh, I would not be upset if we found out tomorrow that Tannehill signed a five-year extension. So the the reason I had a negative response to her was um, at the beginning of the season, she was saying that Ryan Tannehill could potentially start the first game. And I said that was dumb because we needed to see what Mariota had. And I felt like we were going to ride him until the wheels fell off and then the wheels started to fall off and then Ryan Tannehill came in. Right. So that's mostly what my negative response to her. And I think that's what a lot of fans felt. Agreed, agreed. Um, so yeah. Nowadays, we feel a lot different about Ryan Tannehill because he's played out of his mind. He's led the Titans to six wins and seven games with three left. We're going to talk about those three games on our next episode, but I think we're going to end tonight's. We'll be back to review the a big upcoming game with the Texans, a team who I personally hate being located in San Antonio. And we'll just talk about them, kind of any kind of fears we have coming up, how we can exploit the defense. All right, that's the deal. That's the dealio. You know what to do. 
find uh, find Music City Miracles wherever you listen to your podcasts and hit subscribe. We love those subscribers. We love those five-star reviews. If you feel like doling them out, and we'll be back really soon to talk more Titans, talk about the division, and that's it. That's the end. Love you.